Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Adam White and Samuel Rook. After the loving last night, it's Singles Awareness Day today. And what an apt description of Paris Saint-Germain. But before speaking about them and the rest of the European action, along with a look at the Liga weekend ahead, here are the latest headlines. Paris Saint-Germain are in trouble in their, champion, in, in their Champions League quest after losing 3-1 against Real Madrid in the Santiago Bernabeu. Adrian Rabiot put the away side ahead, but a double from Cristiano Ronaldo and another from Marcelo makes it advantage Los Blancos ahead of the second leg in three weeks' time. In the Europa League, Marseille cruised past Braga with a 3-0 home victory. A Valerie Germain brace and a finish from substitute Florian Tovan helped Loem into a comfortable league into the two-legged tie. As for Nice, they allowed things to slip through their hands as they lost at the Alliance Riviera to Locomotive Moscow 3-2. A Mario Balotelli double was trumped by a Mario Fernandez hat-trick, with Rashid Kohli seeing red in between the goal scoring. And in the final Europa League match of this week, Lyon managed a 3-1 victory over Villarreal. Tongyun Dombele and Nabil Fekir both grabbed goals in the second half before Pablo Fornells pulled one back for the away side, giving them a potential in in their second leg. But Memphis Depay finished with an excellent goal in with about eight minutes remaining to give Lyon advantage ahead of the second tie next week. And that's all for now, but for all the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with that game in Spain between Paris Saint-Germain and Real Madrid. And it was a little bit of a funny game, really. It was quite end-to-end. -end. There wasn't much midfield or defensive action, really, in the game sometimes. But uh, Adam... What do you think of Paris Saint-Germain's performance? In the end, it was it was a decent first half, performance-wise in the second half, but again, is it tinged with that bit of disappointment that they've allowed, especially the third goal, to go through in uh, and uh, put them at a disadvantage uh, ahead of the uh, second leg? Yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely think 3-1 flattered Real Madrid. And you're right, I think first half, um, it was pretty even. I think Madrid edged it in the first half. Uh, but PSG were were on top second half for, for the sort of opening 15, 20 minutes uh, of, of the second half. And but I think I think two things kind of affected the result and you know the complexion of PSG's sort of display, if you like, and how it be perceived. I, I thought first of all, Emery's decisions. Um, there was obviously some sort of, sort of very debatable, not not for you know to be good or bad, but. The dropping of Thiago Silva, for whatever reasons it, it, it was, not necessarily tactical, I think is a, is a decision I support, but really odd timing. Um, I would have felt like if he's going to drop his captain uh, and make a point that, you know, he hasn't really shown leadership, in, especially in the, the Barcelona game last year, and for some time, to be honest, in, in big games, and Kimpembe and Marquinhos have been brilliant, then I would have done that a little while ago. Um, I thought throwing the Chelsea in was a bit too much. Uh, in, in, I know he's played really well in Liga and he has been very, very good, but there's a huge difference between playing uh, for PSG in Liga and going to the Bernabeu in, in easily the biggest game of his career by some distance. 
And I felt like Vlasana Diar would have been a better, bit more experienced. And I would have played Adrian Rabiot there. I know he doesn't like playing there, but he is pretty good in front of the defence. He's very good. And I would have put Julian Draxler in. And I think when you when you compare Lachoso to Draxler in this sort of occasion, Draxler's the easy choice. Um, and the third one being to bring on Thomas Munier after sort of sort of 64 minutes for, for Cavani was, was bizarre. They're on top. Uh, they were the better side. And it was like he was going to spend the last half an hour trying to defend a one-all, which, which was only a recipe for disaster. Really. That was a bizarre, bizarre thing. And all three of the goals, from PSG's point of view, were mistakes. Um, and uh, Real Madrid made mistakes too. PSG had some really good chances. And Mbappe had a couple of really good chances. He should have scored the one in the penalty area that fell for the corner that fell to Kimpembe. Probably should have scored. Neymar right at the end, that was a better chance than perhaps most people realise, given that it was right at the very end of the game. And they probably had a similar amount of chances, but PSG's sort of lax defending and sort of switching off, Rabiot letting Marcelo run, Lachelso fouling Cruz stupidly, um, it came back to bite them. And Real Madrid punished them, and PSG didn't punish Real Madrid's mistakes. I think it came, came down to that, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll focus on Unai Emery first, really, Samuel. I think Adam made some great points. It seems strange. Many league and viewers would say that Thiago Silva's maybe is slowly, or at least on the decline at the moment. But is his leadership something that they really missed, especially in that in a game of this gravitas and also playing Lo Celso, who's inexperienced, maybe having them, those three, him, Rabio, and Verratti in midfield we spoke about it on Monday that 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 would be an attacking option but maybe too much of a risk against such a attacking side as well and also that that strange decision I still can't believe that he decides to take Cavani off in the last sort of 20 minutes going oh well it's okay we'll shore up the result by putting Mounier on and have essentially what was again similar to what we saw at the weekend no no centralized striker and they really really struggled as soon as he came off the field as well some very strange decisions, but I think you have to remember that the starting eleven. he wasn't picking it to make a point. He was picking it to try and win the game. He didn't drop Thiago Silva because he wanted to say, well, I'm the brave boss who makes the big calls. He, he did it because he thinks that the combination of Marquinhos and Kimpembe works better. And, and I think I can see that because Marquinhos, Thiago Silva, stylistically very similar. Kimpembe is the more sort of aggressive front foot defender. So... That combination makes sense. I could see that. Maybe the maybe the pace of Marquinhos and Kimpembe versus Thiago Silva against Real Madrid, who are always going to be a very fluid attack. Maybe there's logic in that. Lachelso, at least you can sort of see he's trying to fit pieces together. It's a lot of big calls, but I, I don't think he was trying to sort of make a point with them. But the the substitution, Cavani for Munier, that was if they'd won it or if they'd at least come up come away with the one all draw, you'd think, well, maybe good decision but even even then in retrospect i think you'd still have to think that's a very strange call surely if you really want to bring munier on just switch him for danny alves or or put him at left back or taking cavani off <laughs> it's edinson cavani i mean it's madness a game that's that open that fluid but chances are falling to to your attacking players you want them to fall to edinson cavani you don't want to take him away from real madrid's goal it, it was a Baffling decision, and Emery, I think, if if they lose this tie, which they're in big trouble with the tie, certainly, he's, his position is going to be, it's going to come under question again. You know, it, it did last season, he survived, probably rightly so, but if, if, if this goes awry like it has done, arguably because of some of the strange decisions he's made, 
you've got to think he's going to struggle to keep his job. Mm, absolutely. I mean, thinking about it as well, it, it was happening in that Toulouse game, really, that they're having Neymar and Mbappe up front and, and no centralised striker just forced them with no middleman, essentially. They want to play out wide. They want to play in those areas where they're attacking fullbacks and cutting inside. And, and it was the same case against Real Madrid. As soon as Cavani comes off the field, they're both still playing wide. Um, they're not really attacking the inside space. And it's just so easy to defend when something's happening like that. You do... I don't even understand why they just didn't have a placeholder in the middle if they want to take Cavani off. Just have someone there just to stand there because they were when they were trying to counter-attack in the last 15 minutes or anything like that, or even when they got caught for the for the goal for Marcelo as well very quickly afterwards, they had they were running into avenues. They were trying to take on three or four players and try and, and, and be the saviour, really. And that's what I want to really come on to, to you, Adam. Um, and that in particular, Neymar, I mean, he was bought for this kind of occasion. Um, in the first half, he had a couple of really good runs where he was jinking inside and outside. But every single time, it felt like he was looking to make that killer, not to make that killer pass, at least anyway, to put, but to, to score himself. Was that bit of selfishness a little bit alarming from the Brazilian that maybe he feels that he should be the one uh, taking this mantle? Yeah, yeah, I think it was it was it was sort of more obvious than it has been in, in recent months. I think obviously in Ligue 1, he's going to get more chances, and he's going to you know Pierce going to win much more easily. So he can sort of he can play the you know the the the, the, the person who's going to you know get them the points and win them the games. And it <clears throat> it was a couple of times when um, it it felt like selfishness yesterday. There was one in particular where he he got his way to the edge of the area, and Mbappe was was screaming for the for the pass in so much space. Um and I think Neymar sort of goes to shoot and realizes the ball's run away from him and then Mbappe's there and he just he doesn't either doesn't see him, which is unlikely, or just decides not to pass him even though he was he was in. Um and perhaps there's perhaps this, I think this is maybe this is uh, something about Neymar, not just necessarily it's his personality that perhaps he wants to be that you know wants to win a Ballon d'Or and he wants to prove he's the best player in the world and that kind of thing. But it, you could argue that it's the way he's kind of been conditioned as well. He's there's so much pressure on him to 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 win PSG and Brazil um, games and tournaments and you know World Cups and, and Champions Leagues that maybe he has to, he feels he has to do it all by himself. Um, obviously, a rational human being would would hopefully obviously there's the pressure aside would work out that that's not necessarily the case and he's you know it's a team and he's got a lot of good players around him in both of those teams to to help him out. But there may be an element of that and it certainly looked like that's how he felt yesterday in terms of I'm the person that needs to be winning us these games and it, it, at, the, in the, at the end of the day he didn't really get anywhere I, he had a couple of good runs but I don't know if he really created much from them um, he showed his ability but he didn't really affect the game which was which was disappointing and I I, I just feel like that he's that's not a new opinion at all but he's treated differently to the rest of the team and I'm not sure that other players could get away with with that that level of selfishness in this squad or any squad, so I, I think that I, you know I, I can see why he does that, uh, but but there's there's got to be a way to to stop it with Neymar trying to do everything himself. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the the point you make about his his thing in Brazil and it reminds us. I think uh, some of the Spanish experts on Twitter as well were pointing out it felt like um, very early on days Barcelona Neymar as well, where he was probably trying to do too much. And mm. he, he's in fairness that uh, yes, there's the pressure in Brazil being the the golden boy, but he's put this pressure on himself now yes. coming to Paris Saint Germain. To be fair, yeah. yeah, it's 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 kind of his bed to lie in really at the moment. Mm. But uh, a lot of the 
hierarchy, at least in, in Paris Saint-Germain, Unai Emery and, and Nasser El-Halaifi have, have pointed Sam to, to refereeing decisions, possibly to try and detract from the result itself. But let's talk about it at least anyway. Uh, th- there was a couple of moments, really. Neymar was quite sort of beaten up, let's say, maybe the best way to put it in the first sort of half an hour. He gained a booking from a tackle from behind. He made the point that Kroos didn't um, a couple of minutes later for a very similar challenge. There was a couple of bookings that went against Paris Saint-Germain in that first half. Obviously, as well, the penalty decision. Um, Some would mention that it's pretty soft, but I would also argue that it's very clever, really, from Kroos and and an experience from La Celso. What did you think to the refereeing? Is it really something that they could pinpoint that was that dramatic of a difference in this match? I can certainly see when you combine this match with the second leg of the, the Barcelona tie from last season, where from a PSG perspective, you would start to feel like the world is a little bit against you because all those those little decisions went against them and the ones last season were worse. The ones in this game, though, in isolation, I don't really think you can complain that much. Neymar himself could easily have been sent off given he was on a yellow card when he committed a pretty blatant dive. I mean, you know, letter of the law probably should have been sent off at that point. So I'm not sure PSG can really complain that much. They had some rough calls go against them, but not, not terrible ones. You know, the referee was not out to get PSG. He was not out to push Real Madrid through and it wasn't refereeing decisions that made PSG make silly mistakes. The silly mistakes that would have cost PSG uh, a good chance of going through and, and that's not the referee, that's the players. Hmm. Yeah, it felt much more like a sort of distraction tactic, didn't it? That they, they were sort of pointing towards the referees to try and maybe make up for their own shortcomings but they get their chance to try and make up for this in three weeks' time. Adam, but um, what do you think to their chances really in this one? They obviously got the away call, which is very important in any of these Champions League ties, but at 2-1, it felt like, okay, Real Madrid have, have won the game, that's fair enough. That, But conceding that third one, does that put the doubt in your mind that Real Madrid are bound to score really at the Parc de Prince? That would mean that PSG then need at least three. Um, mm. Does that start to worry you then now? Yeah, definitely. I think I, I I think they're out. I, I, I don't see it at all. I mean, I think Real Madrid will score. I think PSG are capable of scoring of scoring three goals. They were brilliant against Barcelona in the first leg beat last season, beaten 4-0 and, and were superb. But it's a very, very different complexion on, on this second leg than that first leg. And, you know, Real Madrid know that they've got a buffer now. They've got they've got a two-goal buffer. They can sit in if they want to um and they can they can control the game and they can use the pace that they've got in in abundance to to hurt psg and i think psg are susceptible to those sort of to those sort of counterattacks I, I think the lack of defensive rigor psg have showed um in in recent times perhaps that's a product of lack of lack of opportunities to to test themselves in liga um lack of a genuine will to win for Paris Saint-Germain rather than just for, for an individual's career. That, that, that's a huge factor. And I don't think they can, they'll be able to con- deal with that sort of, that type of attack with that level of ability and that quality. Um, in, a, in a game like this, I just see them making too many mistakes and Real Madrid scoring at least one. PSG might win the return leg, but I, I, at 3-1, I just, I just can't see them going through, unfortunately. You're right, at 2-1, I felt like, fair enough, you know, it's the classic, you know, 2-1 away, well, you got the away goal, you can, you know, 1-0, 2-0 will take PSG through, but I just don't see it. And um, unfortunately, I think the damage has already been done. Um, it's a shame, but I, I, like I said, I, I can't see them going through now. 
yeah, it's that frustration of that third goal, especially it just mm. knocks the stuffing out of the game a little bit. And really, uh, Rabiot made a really good point. Obviously, in the, in the mix zone afterwards, he said, it, it, "There's no point in beating Dijon eight nil when you when you can't live up for these games." But in retrospect, really, of that because it, it obviously does seem to to some like a slight on league game. But when you think back to all the big games they've had this season, they beat yes Bayern Munich, but they were in a terrible moment really in the Champions League. They lost to them in the other game against them. The big sides in Liga, Marseille, they drew where they should, probably should have lost. They Their only impressive one was against Monaco, really, where they, they could have won by a number amount. But again, Monaco were in a, a bad situation there. They beat Lyon in the first game, but it was two own goals and they were really lucky to, to sneak away with a win there. They lost against Lyon, obviously, in the return fixture. They've got Marseille again in a couple of weeks' time, um, just, before, just before they faced them in the Cup. And then also then the uh, Real Madrid second leg comes around fairly fast as well. In all honesty, they've not really, other than that Monaco game, arguably, they've not turned up in any of these big games yet, in all honesty, and they should really look themselves in the mirror at that kind of thing, because they they go on about how, well, Rabiot mentions how they beat Dijon 8-0, eight, eight but before this, they struggled to beat Toulouse 1-0, they've lost to Strasbourg this season, the draw to Montpellier, there's plenty of games where they've only won by one goal, or they've maybe looked out a little bit more than they, they felt they have, I don't think they're as complete as they seem to think they are sometimes, and that has come back to bite them against a, a really good team in, in Real Madrid, who really, honestly, on another day, if they were in form, I don't think Real Madrid were that good, really. I, I think there's been a lot more teams in this uh, first week of the Champions League that have been a lot better than that Real Madrid team have played. And if any of those, so, uh, Liverpool, Manchester City both play very well, I think if any of those have played Real Madrid in that same scenario, they might have they might have taken the win. So Paris Saint-Germain really need to have a good, long, hard look in the mirror with them. They've got plenty of time to think about that result, at least anyway. Someone who did get a positive result, Sam, and that's in the Europa League this evening, and that's Marseille. A really good win, um, 3-0 home victory against the Braga side. They've been pretty decent in, in Portugal this season behind the uh, pretty terrific top three, really. But Van Edgeman Brace, um, Florian Tovan came off the bench as well and scored, which is good because they managed to give him a nice rest as well uh, ahead of tough games ahead and, and obviously a second leg next week as well. Um a great win, especially at home. You just don't want to concede and getting a big lead gives them a massive advantage ahead of the uh, next leg. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge result for Marseille and it's also a huge performance. I mean, you, you can just remember some of the games we watched them play in the group stage. They were so dire in some of those group games. This was so much better, so much brighter. This team has just developed so much since the start of the season. And I, I think we're all very critical. I know I was of them and how poor they were to start the season. And we probably should have given them more credit given they were putting together a lot of new pieces. Those new pieces are all really sort of in place now. And, and that was a really good performance. And, you know, you mentioned that Tovan didn't even start. Um, Matroglu's injured. Obviously, he's not contributed a lot, but still he wasn't available. Germain was there, who's not had the best of seasons. And they were still they were still very good. They were, they were very bright. And Payet was sort of running the show. He got, got a nice assist to start the game. And it was just a very... Very strong, very impressive Marseille performance. And you've got to say they're all but through now. Uh, it's an excellent result. And this team has come so far. And they really deserve to be where they are, both in Europe and in Ligue 1. Mm, absolutely. And I mean, when you look at it as well, that they, they've rested Morgan Sanson in this game. They managed to have Jordan Amavi back as well, which is great to see as well. They played Johan Pelé in goal. It gave them a chance to sort of rest a few players and, and give them 
a little bit of a, of a of a chance. I mean, they they managed to obviously brought Malvi back, but they brought him off after sixty minutes. They gave Pai a rest as well after after seventy five minutes as well. It's just a nice solid performance that we didn't see in the Europa League and a, and a opportunity that they think that they they're definitely going through now. Really, it's it's hard to see Braga scoring four. Uh, at home and Marseille not grabbing at least one really so it's a great chance for them to just sneak really (laughs) away into the next round without having to put the effort in that we thought they might have to in in a worry that um, that really adding that Champions League place a fourth Champions League place to a French team would be absolutely fantastic if they can get it because obviously it's a it's an extra bonus for them but it's disappointment again really for, for a Nice team um, Adam, that allowed it to slip out of their hands, really. Mario Balotelli scored a double. It was outdone by Mario Fernandez hat-trick in the end and, and a, a red card for Racing uh, Coley sees them really up against it. I mean, three away goals is is <laughs> going to make it extremely tough unless they, they get a really good, solid result, and a very specific result almost in, in Moscow. And then there's also the having the trip to Russia as well, which will take it out of them. Um, do you think that that's probably their opportunity gone for Nice really now? I mean, they're not they're they're middled in a battle kind of for fifth at the moment in Liga, but is it really a battle to try and get into Europa League place that they're already in and they they look like they're going out? Yeah, they do. They do like they're going. It's a shame. I mean, but first of all, you, it's a surprise because locomotive are not necessarily the strongest of Russian sides, and and it's a bit of a, a cliche, but you know, Russian sides traditionally or even using Eastern European teams, are traditionally very, very good at home and, and very poor away from home. So to lose the first leg at home with three away goals is, is a real blow. And it's, it's such a huge disappointment because the, the Europa League is a huge drain on, on, on those sides that aren't PSG and Monaco, perhaps, um, in Ligue 1 because they've got so many young players who aren't used to playing every three, four days. And to get through the group stage, if you take it seriously, which Nice did more than they did last year in this competition, to, to get through the group stage is a big effort, and it's it's a shame to to to, to let it slip this this soon against in a very winnable tie. You know, you get a decent result in the next in the next leg in the next round. Sorry, a decent draw. You you, you know you're in the quarterfinals, and there's a chance. And so to, to lose this to lose this game will be sickening for, for for Nice. And you look at Locomotive Moscow team, and there aren't really anybody that you know that stands out. They would have really fancied themselves, and it, it's a real shame. But um, hope there's still hope. It's it's, a, it's a clearly a very open tie. And um, you know, I I wouldn't back against them in, in in the second leg necessarily. So there's still some hope, but it's going to be tough, and it's a big disappointment if they do go out. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I feel a little bit sorry for Balotelli now. Really, he's he's played quite well this season. Really, and he scored two goals in this one, and he must be thinking, can't someone else just get this team over the line in these competitions? It'd be great to win a bit more silverware, or at least get a little bit further in these tournaments because Nice were pouring the Champions League qualifiers. They maybe got a little bit unlucky with the who they actually drew, but the, they were poor in the Europa League last season as well, going out in the group stages. They were pretty decent in this group stage, but they've looked like they're probably, well, almost certainly on the on the way out. They they would need a pretty interesting result. I mean, 2-0 away from home in Russia, where it's a, it's a long trip to get there. It's a lot colder as well. <laughs> that might be a bit of a shock to the system. Um, it, it's going to be really, really tough to see them go through, but... Um, fortunately, there's another one more league inside in, in Europa League action tonight, Sam, and that was Leon, who uh, managed to get the three-one victory eventually against Fiorell in what was a really good second-half performance. It, it's a little bit of a downside that they allowed the goal, but the the Depay goal at the end really uh, added some finish to that. That 
this feels like a competition that they should again. They they reached the semi-finals last season. There's still plenty of absolutely quality teams really in the in the competition this season. There's Napoli and RB Leipzig who are playing each other. There's Atletico Madrid. There's Lazio who lost tonight, so that'll be an interesting one. Arsenal, AC Milan, Borussia Dortmund. Um, but Leon should be someone who look at this competition and think that, especially with how their league form is has gone in the last couple of weeks, that if they win this. This is a great opportunity to get back into the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, it, it might become apparent pretty soon that that's their best hope of getting back to the Champions League is winning this tournament. Given, as you say, how they've dried up in Liga and dropped off the pace a little bit, four points behind now, that's going to be difficult to to reel back in with only so many games left. But this this was a really good performance against Villarreal are a good side. That was a difficult draw for Leon to get. Obviously, not topping their group meant they were always going to get a tough draw. But to do that and to win and to win so well, and when they conceded the goal, it was 2 1. You thought, wow, that's, that's disappointing given how well they've played. But for Memphis to score what was a, a goal out of nothing, I mean, it's just a loose ball. He's just smashed it in from 25 yards. Uh, you know, it was a very Memphis sort of performance um, from Leon. You know, very, very good, but with some silliness. Um, but yeah, just a great result for Leon. And, and now. You go, you go to Spain with a two-goal advantage. You think, well, should get through and really should look at making a run at this competition again. Last season, disappointing to lose to Ajax in the semi-finals. They probably could could easily have won that semi-final and then the final against United. Well, you never know. They really could have won it last year and they want to make a run at it again because this is an excellent young team and they're really showing their quality. That was that was them. The, these games we've seen in Liga in the last few weeks, that hasn't been this team. This tonight, that was Leon again. Mm, absolutely, and you mentioned um, a Memphis deport, uh, performance from them. There was a really, it was a really Memphis night, really, when he came on. He did that uh, about a minute in, didn't he? He did that absolutely magnificent control with sort of both of his feet behind his back. Um, did a, a lovely little bit of skill, and then another piece of skill that have got him away from everyone. And everyone's thinking, "Oh, wonderful stuff!" And then he tries to do <laughs> the sort of Rabona cross into the in, into the box, and it goes absolutely nowhere. It's an awful cross. Um, such a disappointment that he. Uh, he couldn't really pull that off. He's sometimes a little bit too much of a showman for his own good sometimes. It, but That was really just Memphis in a nutshell. Yeah, see, it, was, it was perfect, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, it was, Magic. Yeah, I, I, and I, I've already berated him for his attempted head last week, well, the weekend at least anyway, where he, he headed it straight into the ground with his knees sort of flailing in the air. But uh, Memphis is, will be Memphis, I'm afraid. But um, on to league and action now, really, and, and some interesting games to finish off this week's pod and, and some interesting things both at the top and the bottom of the table. And I, I start with Friday's game um, between Monaco and Dijon because Monaco hit a bit of form recently, really, Adam. It's been it's been three runs on the bounce. they would started to claw themselves back out of the mire that they put themselves in the first half of the season. Does this feel like the start of a second half of the season that we've seen from Monaco teams in the past, such as the one where Anthony Marshall used to play for the side, where they sort of recovered in that second half of the season. They had a terrific end to last season as well, where, where they strung together a number of wins. Um, is this maybe them finding their feet and, and uh, gelling as a side again? Yeah, I think that's a really, <clears throat> it's a really good point. Um, I think it is. It could very much be that be the case. Um, <clears throat> they are a club that have experienced not just this summer which obviously we talked about a lot but uh, since Jardim took over and since sort of Adam Vasiliev and Dmitry Raboliev have sort of started upon on this kind of youth development and buying players and selling them on um kind of model for the for the club 
they have taken a little while to get going. And even in their title winning season last year, you know, the, the first sort of third of the season was, although exciting, the results weren't as good as the rest of the season. I remember them getting bashed at Nice four 0 and there are a few sort of sort of poor results in there because it takes it's a little bit underestimated sometimes, but it takes sort of a while for what is a group of young players at the beginning of every season, slightly different to the year before, you know, for them to sort of gel and and to find some cohesion. And that's been the case this year. You know, Yuri Tielemans has got a run in the team this, in the last sort of he's played three of the last four games, and you know he's another one of the, a good example of a player who's very talented, very young not used to this this team and it's going to take a while to, to sort of settle in and there are, there's that's kind of been the case every year obviously last year was you know you know that's turned up to 11 but um it, it makes sense for, for for monaco to sort of follow this course over the course of various seasons and yeah i mean they, they weren't great in the first half of the year but it, it you know jordan's a very very astute manager and he's proven a number of times already that he can make you know he can, he can mold a team out of, of the players that he's given and they've got good players so I would fancy them to, to, based on their sort of very current form, I, I'd, I, I'd back them to sort of, you know, build on that and really challenge for second. I think it's going to be, it is what he is, but it's going to be a really exciting race for, for second and third. And, you know, Monaco look like they sort of found their feet again. Mm, yeah, it's, it's nice to see them starting to get those players like Caterball did before he was sent off against Leon, at least anyway. And 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 Yuri Tillemans is starting to find his feet in that that sort of midfield three that they're trying now, really, with Jean Moutinho and, and Fabinho, which is what they they all always needed to sort of start. I I think they they needed to try and move away from the four four two a little bit more, just to give some freedom to to the likes of that midfield and. They didn't really have the strike force there necessarily. Jo- Jovetic was pretty good at the weekend as well, scored a, scored a brace and, and was good in the, in replacing Falcao as the main man up front. I think he looks quite comfortable as the top striker if they need to have that as in uh, Falcao will be out for a couple, or at least another week at least. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he continues in that role. But they face a, a Dijon side, Sam, that have been pretty good in the last couple of weeks we've always we mentioned their great home form really the last couple of weeks and it, it continued at the weekend albeit marred by uh, by incidents with the referee obviously with Balotelli but they they grabbed the 3-2 win two wins in a row um they're guaranteed goals as we've always said but with games coming up against Troyes against Caen against Saint-Étienne Amiens and, and, and Montpellier their next five this feels like a free swing for them doesn't it a chance for them to maybe express themselves if they get something out of this game it's just only going to add to their chances of uh, staying up. Yeah, I think that the, that's the exact phrase I was going to use, a free hit, a free swing. Um, n- nobody expects Dijon to take anything from this, really. Um, so, yeah, they can just they can just try and play their football, you know, just try and, try and get some goals, have some fun. Um, you know, the last big away game that they had, they lost 8-0. So improvements on that will be ideal. But, uh, yeah, just, just go out and play their football, really. Um, as I say... It's just not a game that anyone expects. I mean, Marseille, oh, sorry, Monaco have the what second best home form in the league. Dijon have the worst away record of anyone in Ligue 1. Uh, if they can do anything here, it'll be gravy. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's when you're in that fight near the bottom. I know they're they're twelfth now, but they're only six points really off that relegation. Uh, sort of playoff place at least anyway an extra couple of points will be great it's a it's an interesting running coming ahead for them really that they need to keep an eye on but uh, it should be really interesting heading into that one uh, let's do some predictions now on this one then and then i'll start with you adam what are you having on this one um two attacking teams these uh, might defend a little bit but i still I still think they'll probably go for it so four two monaco 
Sam? I'll go 3-1 Monaco. I think there's definitely going to be goals. I'm going to go 3-2. Do tune in if, you, if, you, if you've got a, a chance on Friday night. Dijon, a side that can only really play one way as they found out against Paris Saint-Germain a couple of weeks ago as well. So you're almost guaranteed to see some kind of action in that one. Um, moving on to um, a relegation six-pointer, if you ever did see one, between the bottom two sides in Ligue 1 at the moment, in Troyes and Metz. Um, it's a massive game for both sides, really. And, and starting... With Trois, we we mentioned last week, really, Adam, that that was a really big game for them against um, a, a Strasbourg side that was starting to slip. But um, they ended up losing two one in that one, and arguably, really, the 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 it, the scoreline seems a little bit closer than it really was. Trois scored in the last minute, and Strasbourg were relatively comfortable for most of the second half. Um, but this seems like at least one of those games they have. They felt like a big needed to win last week. They absolutely unequivocally need to win this week to try and start mounting some momentum of staying up, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, I, I think that they're, they're, although you know they've kind of they have dropped off a lot recently and they found themselves in the bottom in the bottom two. Um, there are there are a few caveats to that. They have had a few injuries, you know, and there are they are a side that um, although they, it didn't really work out for them last time, they didn't make too many signings when they were promoted. And, and to miss some of the important players like, you know, Christopher Perel has been really good at the back for them this, this season. He missed five games in a row. Um, Souk, who, as, as I said last week, Pats isn't necessarily the most prolific of strikers, but he does give them, you know, a lot of sort of mobility up front and he plays off other players quite well. And they've missed him for the last five games. Stefan Darbion's a really experienced player um, who plays on the left wing for them. He, he's missed the last two and, uh, Tristan Dingon had a really serious injury back in November and he, he was looking good for them in midfield. So th- those are three quite big misses for over a sort of a month at least, Dingon for longer. Um, and they, they don't have the strength and depth to replace those players. And once they start getting their back, Harrell played the last game, Souk might play this game. You know, that, that'll, be, that'll be a huge boost for them. Um, they do need momentum um, because I do feel like they're one of those teams that does need confidence as well as having those better players playing they need they need the confidence that 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 comes from you know um better results and better performances and they are good at home i think they're much more confident at home and they they, they look a lot more sort of sort of comfortable uh at, at the Santa Alba at home and i would i would say that if they're going to stay up you know it's a bit of a that's a bit of a cliche but that's where that's where that that that'll be made you know whether they survive or not be on their home form um, but I, I think there's a, there's a there's a long way to go in this relegation battle, and, and Trois are very much very much still in it. You know, the, you look at their they've still got a game in hand against Dijon in the week, which again is a home. So you know that's something that they're, they'll be targeting for points. Um, they're only a point behind. They've got 24 points. Angers, Amiens on 25, Lille 26, Toulouse 26. So there's a real group of teams there, and there's another group on you know 30, 30, 31, 31 of Sanetian, Strasbourg, Dijon, Con. So there's there is a lot to play for, and. Although Tua found themselves at the bottom of that sort of mini league at the moment, they've got the ability when everyone's fit to get themselves out of it. So um, I don't think they'll be too desperate just yet. But losing to Mets would be a huge downer, and you know it, it sort of sends them on a. It sort of really does accelerate their downward trajectory, doesn't it? But there's, there's still a long way to go, and I think they've got the players to get themselves out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the interesting thing, and you mentioned that mini league of, of teams, six points below them are the side they meet in Mets, who absolutely unequivocally need a victory in this one. There's no other options about it, really. A, a win here pulls Trois back closer to them. A couple of sides, Sam, if, if they end up losing, it keep, finally starts to pull them into that that group ahead of them, finally. 
there's nothing else about it. It's, they must have been disappointed last week. It was it was a strange game against Montpellier where they played pretty well, really, but it was pretty dull. And Montpellier grounded out a one 0 win. Surprise, surprise! That sounds like their entire scene is in in a, in a nutshell. But Mets on this one, they have to go for it, don't they? They have to do everything they can to try and win this one because if they don't and they allow Trois to get away, they might not have another chance of pulling someone into them and uh, get back into that uh, fight for sort of safety. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this is this is do or die for Mets. I mean, you won't you will not get a better chance than this. I mean, they've done they've done magnificently well to come back from where they were. You know, a few months ago they were so far behind, and now they are just about touching distance to the, to that whole big mini league we just talked about. If they win this game, they're a game and a half behind so many teams. There's real hope there for staying up, which would be an absolute miracle. But they have to win this game. If they don't win this game, they can pretty much just start planning for League 2 for next season because it's going to be almost impossible to catch the teams ahead of them. If they let Trois get away, they lose again, it's going to be so hard to catch up. Yeah, it's, it's just going to make it so much more difficult, isn't it? I mean, looking at the other games that teams have, I mean, uh, Angers just above those two are facing Saint-Étienne at home. That's a real chance for them to maybe pick up points and, and drag maybe drag Saint-Étienne back, but it might push them further ahead. Amiens have got Toulouse again, two sides that are facing trouble again on 25 and 26 points, a win for either of those sort of pulls them away or if even a draw won't be great for match side if they lose it feels like it's do it, yeah you see you hit the nail on the head Sam do or die for Mets if they lose this one it, it looks like relegation is all but a certainty that still we thought that might be the case in, in that they would already be Connors really but um, they're hanging on there but this is their last chance really um, so with that in mind Sam uh, what's your prediction uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one nil Mets the miracle the miracle continues Adam? Um, I'm going to go one all. I'm going to go 2-0 Mets. I, I really don't fancy Twy at the moment. I, I, I think they've really fallen off a cliff recently and uh, they might be real contenders for relegation. And this is the perfect chance for Mets. They need this win. Go out of there and grab it with both hands and uh, let's make this one of the more entertaining and, and interesting relegation fights in all of Europe, really. Because if they do and they pull them in it, there's six teams in there that feasibly could keep beating each other, but as this weekend could probably show, really. Um, and we could have a real, real fight on our hands uh, for the last couple of weeks of the season, at least anyway, as we head towards the final third of the campaign. Uh, we finished this evening with uh, Sunday's late game and it should be be a pretty interesting one between two of the informed sides in Liga at the moment, and that's Marseille hosting Bordeaux. And Adam, we were pretty negative on we've been pretty negative on Les Girondins for most of the season, really. But three wins on the trot under new manager um, Gus Poye changes a lot of things quite quickly, as it does tend to be in football. They're playing with confidence. They're playing with belief. Sorry, it's four on the trot now. Obviously, they they won the game between um, him joining and uh, and Govanek leaving the club. It's Confidence is starting to come in again. They're scoring goals. They may possibly be without Malcolm. There's been a, um, information from the uh, from the LFP saying that uh, he will be suspended for at least two games. One is um, suspended sentence-wise for that dive against uh, Leon a few weeks ago. But uh, they're building confidence. They're, they're starting to win games, and it's an interesting test for them given that they beat Leon a couple of weeks ago. This is another big test for them. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is a big test. And it's a really dangerous game for Marseille, too. I, I think Poets provided 
a new manager bounce before and, and at Sunderland in particular. Um, well, you, you know, he said he kept them up at one point. And I think that Bordeaux are going to be dangerous for the rest of the season. I don't know how long it's going to last, but they've really started to, to play. And I think, unfortunately, it does kind of say a lot about the, the type of atmosphere that Gorvanek was able to, to engender there. It does feel like, for whatever reason, he allowed the squad to get um, very cliquey and perhaps they weren't as disciplined as he would like. He's not the type of player who's going to, the type of manager who's going to kind of, you know, sort of be the disciplinarian and be the be the the, the, the person that's going to really drill his players and, and really have them sort of fearing for their place in the team. He's, he's much more of a coach, much more perhaps of a, you know, um, he sort of builds players up rather than perhaps gets into them when that needs when they need to be. And Poet's a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more, he's got a little bit more sort of fire in his eyes, isn't he? And I think that's really helped this squad to, to, to sort of increase their intensity. They've played with a lot more intensity in recent games. Um, and and they put up, he sort of added a lot more hunger to them. They just look more more willing and, and, and more more capable to of, of sort of providing that that sort of intensity that they need. Um, I think one thing I'm really impressed with is that he's kind of stuck with the same team, which seemed a bit odd at, at, at the time. But you know, Paul Bates hasn't got back in the side, and you know, Jules Kunde is only 19, playing at centre back ahead of him. He's been really good. A bit of a fine for Bordeaux hasn't really played in, at all. He's you know played a few cut games come out, but he started the last lost seven games and he's been really really good so you know if you're playing well you're going to be in this team and I, I think they look like they're playing for their places which is which is great <clears throat> Martin Braithwaite's a really good addition he scores goals in this league we'll be playing on the left we'll be playing up front he, he'll he'll be an asset for them going forward um and Stanley Humete is a really interesting signing he was great at Zolta Varagam last season and he, where he was with uh, Lucas Laraga as well so there's you know there's an understanding there um which so there's, there's a lot they've got a lot going for them all of a sudden then given how tight the league is, you know, then I wouldn't rule out Europe for next season. I think that would be a disaster if they did get into Europe. But, um, you know, it's at least it's, it's name at least. So um, I, I'm impressed with with the kind of style that Poets managed to instill in his team. And it's a dangerous one for, for Marseille. Mm, yeah, but, but admittedly, Poyer comes against, against his certainly biggest test because Marseille, Sam, are unbeaten in 11 in all competitions. They've won um, nine of those games already. The draw against... Uh, Sad Etienne last week being the disappointing one, really, where they they maybe switched off and and went out of the gears, really, to where they could have maybe killed that game off. And when it was a two one, especially they they just seemed to settle in and allow Sad Etienne back into the game and, and nick a nick a draw, really, in that one. And they still could have won it if uh, Mitroglou had his shooting boots on ever. Um, but uh, it's it's an interesting one for them, given that they're still fighting for that second place, which is the automatic Champions League place. Uh, they, they're still scrapping with Monaco. Every point counts, but this is p- potentially a real trap game, and especially with the Europa League still coming up, the Europe recovering from that game um, this evening as well, and with Paris Saint-Germain also in the uh, on the horizon next weekend as well, and then a quarter-final against Paris Saint-Germain ahead of that as well. This feels like one of those games that could be a real banana skin. Yeah, this is a this is a very big game, but it comes in the middle of a lot of other very big games, and that's the difficult part. You look at Bordeaux on paper, and you think, well, Marseille should be able to deal with them, but as we've discussed, sort of at length here already, Bordeaux are one of the form teams in the league. I think in terms of form, it's PSG, Marseille, and Bordeaux are the top three. So this this is a much higher quality clash than maybe it appears on paper. Bordeaux are very much capable of going to Marseille and winning this game, and they showed when they went to Lyon and did the same. They're not messing about. Bordeaux are capable of of upsetting Marseille here. What Garcia did well was, was as we discussed earlier, he's rotated a number of his key players. Tovan had a little rest. That's really important. But 
a lot of those players will have to do double duty uh, with an eye on the next leg of the Europa League as well, which is only next Thursday. This this game is a very, very tricky game for Marseille and there's a real threat that their excellent run could hit the rocks here. Bordeaux, though, they're also on an excellent run that they're really not accustomed to being on this season and so they possibly might run out of steam at some point. The new manager bounce that Adam discussed, it tends to run out of steam eventually. Four games, four wins in a row, that's excellent. Can it be five? Can it really be five? Can they go to Marseille and beat Marseille, a team who are playing for everything? I mean, it, it should be a cracking game of football, but I really don't know which way it's going to go. Yeah, and it's nice for Tovan will be nice and rested. He only had that sort of 20-minute spell where he even managed to score a goal to keep his form going, keep it ticking over as well. That that might just uh, be enough to help Marseille, really. But it's it's going to be... I, I really feel that given that Sunday, last Sunday's game at least was was decent, but maybe not to the quality of the the crazy games we've had in the, the three weeks before that. This this is a potential game that could really live back up to that uh, Sunday night hype that uh, French football has been building recently. And I, I think it's going to be an, another one of those 2-2 draws for Marseille. They've had two quite recently against Monaco and Saint-Étienne. That feels like a, a scoreline that will probably satisfy both managers, really, given their uh, recent form. What do you think, Adam? I agree. I think it'll be tall as well. I think exactly the same thing. Yeah. Sam, I mean, I've got to be honest. I kind of agree as well, but just to be different, I'm going to say I'm going to say three two Marseille. Yeah, I think we're all on the same wavelength there, weren't we? The goals Marseille sometimes switch off. Sometimes two two sounds about right. Um, that's all that we have for this evening. My thanks to Adam, Sam, and all of you listening at home. Uh, join us for the main show on Monday. But for now, enjoy your weekend of football.